Isaiah 43, verse 22 through 44, verse 23. These are God's words. But you have not called upon me, O Jacob, and you have been weary of me, O Israel. You have not brought me the sheep for your offering, burnt offerings, nor have you honored me with your sacrifices. I have not caused you to serve with grain offerings, nor wearied you with incense. You have bought me no sweet cane with money, nor have you satisfied me with the fat of your sacrifices. But you have burdened me with your sins. You have wearied me, wearied me with your iniquities. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. I will not remember your sins. Put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. Your first father sinned, and your mediators have transgressed against me. Therefore I will profane the princes of the sanctuary. I will give Jacob to the curse, and Israel to reproaches. Yet hear now, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen, thus says Yahweh, who made you, and formed you from the womb, who will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and you, Yeshurun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water on him who is thirsty, and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants, and my blessing on your offspring. They will spring up among the grass like willows by the watercourses. One will say, I am Yahweh's. Another will call himself by the name of Jacob. Another will write with his hand, Yahweh's, and name himself by the name of Israel. Thus says Yahweh, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, Yahweh of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Beside me there is no God, and who can proclaim as I do? Then let him declare it and set it in order for me, since I appointed the ancient people and the things that are coming and shall come. Let them show these to do to them. Do not fear nor be afraid. Have I not told you from that time and declared it? You are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? Indeed, there is no other rock. I know not one. Those who make an image, all of them are useless, and their precious things shall not profit. They are their own witnesses. There they neither see nor know that they may be ashamed. Who would form a god or mold an image that profits him nothing? Surely all his companions would be ashamed, and the workmen, they are mere men. Let them all be gathered together, let them stand up, yet they shall fear. They shall be ashamed together. The blacksmith with the tongs works one in the coals, fashions it with hammers, works it with the strength of his arms. Even so, he is hungry, and his strength fails. He drinks no water and is faint. The craftsman stretches out his rule, marks one out with chalk, fashions it with the plane. He marks it out with a compass and makes it like the figure of a man, according to the beauty of a man, that it may remain in the house. He cuts down cedars for himself and takes the cypress and the oak. He secures it for himself among the trees of the forest. He plants a pine, and the rain nourishes it. Then it shall be for a man to burn, for he will take some of it and warm himself. 
Yes, he kindles it and bakes bread. Indeed, he makes a god and worships it. He makes it a carved image and falls down to it. He burns half of it in the fire. With this half, he eats meat. He roasts a roast and is satisfied. He even warms himself and says, Ah, I am warm and I have seen the fire. And the rest of it he makes into a god, his carved image. He falls down before it and worships it and prays to it and says, Deliver me, for you are my God. They do not know or understand, for he has shut their eyes so that they cannot see, and their hearts so that they cannot understand. And no one considers in his heart, nor is there knowledge or understanding to say, I have burned half of it in the fire. Yes, I have also baked bread on its coals. I have roasted meat and eaten it. And shall I make the rest of it an abomination? Shall I fall down before a block of wood? He feeds on ashes. A deceived heart has turned him aside, and he cannot deliver his soul nor say, Is there not a lie in my right hand? Remember these, O Jacob and Israel, for you are my servant. O Israel, you will not be forgotten by me. I have blotted out like a thick cloud your transgressions, and like a cloud your sins return to me, for I have redeemed you. Sing, O heavens, for Yahweh has done it. Shout, you lower parts of the earth, break forth into singing, you mountains, O forest, and every tree in it. For Yahweh has redeemed Jacob and glorified himself in Israel. So far the reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. Israel, by adding to the worship of God, should have known that it was not actually to God that they were offering the worship even that he had commanded. We see here that if you're breaking the second commandment, if you're worshiping in the wrong way, then you're also breaking the first commandment. You're worshiping the wrong God. So we have that extended section instructing Israel in verses 9 to 20 of chapter 44. But first, he addresses them in, in chapter 43 and verses 22 through 24 about worship that he had commanded calling upon God and uh, offering uh, burnt offerings, sacrifices, grain offerings, incense. The fat of the sacrifices, verse 24, all of those components at least uh, are parts of the worship that God had commanded. But in these verses, in the original language, that to me um, is emphatic. Uh, Upon me you have not called, O Jacob. Of, of me you have been weary. To me you did not bring the sheep for your burnt offerings. To me you did, me you did not honor with your sacrifices. Uh, and so forth. When we offer God what we want in worship or offer him the way, uh, the way we want to, it becomes clear that we are giving... Uh, what the Apostle Paul calls will worship. 
worshiping according to our own will. And then, even when we do pray, or hear preaching, or take the supper, or sing the Bible, if we're doing it according to our will, then even those things aren't being done unto the Lord. And they were treating the things that God had commanded as uh, slavery. He says, I have not caused you to, and the word is slave, with grain offerings. Uh, but then in verse 24, he says, you have enslaved, the word that's translated burden there is the same verb uh, as up in what we just read in verse 23. You have enslaved me with your sins. You're treating me as your slave. You've come to the slave quarters where the person uh, who's supposed to take your sins away serves you. You say, here, slave, take away my sins. You load them up on him and he carries them away. Uh, and so they had this uh, mechanical view of the Lord's worship that was a drudgery uh, to them. And so it was really religiosity that could not help them, religiosity that was not the true worship of God, uh, and therefore it could be no help to them. Uh, but then we have a very surprising transition from 24 to 25, and that is that there's no transition. Ordinarily, most of the time uh, in Hebrew, the next sentence is going to start with some sort of connecting particle, uh, even just a little vav for an and. Uh, but verse 25 makes a uh, an interruption, a clean break, where suddenly he says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, not for their sake, not for anything good in them, certainly not for uh, their fathers, who uh, he is about to remind them have all been uh, sinners. And so he says, I will blot out your transgressions for my own sake. I will not remember your sins. And then uh, he calls them to court. Put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. Well, we already know what the verdict is going to be because the judge has decided that they're going to be forgiven. Uh, but the case that they begin by stating is not very good. Your first father sinned. Your mediators, those who have uh, gone between uh, who have been the representatives between them and God, um, have transgressed against me. Uh, so, from the beginning, whether this is from Adam or Abraham or Jacob, from the beginning, you are sinners, and the best that you have had, the ones who are the interpretation of Israel to me, they uh, have all been sinners. Therefore, he says, I will profane the princes of the sanctuary. I will give Jacob to the curse and Israel to reproaches. Israel are not going to be according to their fathers or according to their mediators anymore. This is one of the themes of the book of Isaiah, that there is going to be a shoot that becomes a new root. Uh, we had some 33 chapters or so ago, 32 chapters ago, that the uh, shoot from the stump of Des Jesse is going to be the root of David. And he's going to make a new start. And that's the language with which he continues now in chapter 44. Yet here now, O Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen, 
Thus says Yahweh who made you and formed you from the womb to help you, who will help you. So he says, rather than being in yourself and in your fathers, I am going to make you in me, in the picture, uh, in uh, verse 2 especially, is of the Lord with uh, a righteous baby. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and you, Yasharon. The UN ending there, or the ending in the original, is an affectionate diminutive. The kind of thing you put on uh, the end of a word uh, to say that they're your little darling. Uh, the root is Yashar, upright. And so, because they're uh, their first father's sin and their mediators are transgressed against them. They need, uh, they need a new Adam. They need to come from a new line. They need to be identified uh, with Him and made right in Him. Uh, and so, uh, my you know, darling straight one, or my darling upright one, whom I have chosen, uh, and the Lord is going to uh, to do this by giving giving people life by his spirit. Uh, and we know that some more of the details of this is that by the life of the spirit, they're going to believe into Christ and be counted righteous uh, on account of Christ's righteousness. Uh, and then uh, those who are counted righteous uh, will, by Christ's life and righteousness even in them, uh, respond rightly to God. But here... Uh, it's described as God giving people spiritual birth by the pouring out of his spirit. For I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. Uh, I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. And what is going to be the effect then of his pouring out his spirit on them? Like willows by the watercourses. One will say, sorry, they will spring up among the grass like willows above by the watercourses. So there's these, uh, these shoots of life that come uh, up from what was dry, cracked ground. Uh, one will say, I am Yahweh's. Another will call himself by the name of Jacob. Another will write with his hand, Yahweh's, the name, and name himself by the name of Israel. Uh, the Spirit will train their hearts to know God as their own God, uh, to know Yahweh as their own God, to know themselves as belonging to him. Uh, and so even uh, the idea of baptism into the name and the Lord giving us uh, his name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is, uh, harkens back to this. It's uh, very similar in the connection uh, between the water and the Spirit to uh, Ezekiel 36, where he says, uh, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness, from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. Uh, and so Israel has no hope to be righteous unless they come to have the righteousness of another. Uh, 
they're all already guilty in their first father. How can they how can they be righteous? Well, God will give them a new first father. God will give them a new root. God will give them life to believe into and belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he will be the servant, the new Israel. Uh, and the true Israel will not be the ones who are descended from Jacob. Never have been the ones who descended from Jacob. True Israel always have been the ones who have believed into Jesus. Uh, and he is going to even rearrange his church that way. Well, here then is the surprising help for those who have no help from their religion and to no help uh, in themselves. Uh, and there is no other help, verses 6 or 8 say. Thus says Yahweh, King of Israel, and his Redeemer, his near kinsman who is able to deliver him when he can't deliver himself and there other aren't anyone else near enough or uh, with this, the, the combination of being near enough and powerful enough to deliver him. You know, we've had this idea of the Redeemer now several times in Leviticus that shows this. And perhaps uh, you remember in the book of Ruth uh, where Boaz is the Redeemer, the one who is the right combination uh, of uh, ability and willingness and uh, and nearness. Well, the one who gives the spiritual life here um, by his spirit is the Redeemer. So thus says Yahweh, King of Israel, and his Redeemer, Yahweh of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Beside me there is no God. Several times now in the book of Isaiah, the idea of uh, being able to uh, tell what was from of old or what will come at the end uh, are the challenge uh, for who is the true God. And he says those things here, but now he says them in uh, in connection especially to who was chosen to be redeemed and who will have been redeemed when the Lord is done. Uh, and so God gives the whole scope of all of the history of everything now in terms of his redemption. And the first thing was that he he chose to redeem. And the last thing is that he will have finished redeeming. And all in between, there is no other redeemer. Uh, or in the words of the last of verse 8, there is no other rock. Uh, and he'll be worshipped forever. Uh, for you have redeemed us by your blood and made us kings and priests uh, to our God. The song in Revelation uh, harkens back here to Isaiah 44, among other places. Uh, praising God as displaying himself as the only true God, the only God who is, by his redemption. Uh, and so certainly we may rejoice that he uh, has given us to know this of him and redeemed us and praise him for those things, and we mustn't set our hope upon or find our help in anything or anyone else, lest we put them in, in a place uh, that God especially uses to display himself as God alone, uh, which makes verses 9 through 20 uh, not just tragic and ridiculous, as we can see them, but also so uh, horrible that, that they would worship God in this way with these images that they mold, images that 
uh, cannot overcome the one who makes them or cannot surpass the one who makes them. You know, anything we come up with uh, is, uh, is going to be dependent upon us. Uh, we can't depend upon it. We can't be delivered uh, by it. Uh, here, the uh, blacksmith, it's taking too long. He misses a meal and he starts running out of steam. Uh, the craftsman's trying to come up with uh, the highest thing that he can think of to make an image of, but the highest thing he can think of is man. And so he makes it according to the beauty of a man. And not only cannot, can it not surpass, is it limited by the one who's making it, it's also limited by the materials he's making it out of. Uh, in this case, the uh, the cedars and the cypress and the oak and the pine. Uh, and even for producing it, he depends on, uh, he depends on God uh, to provide the rain, to nourish it so that it grows. If, if God doesn't give rain, it dies as a shoot. And once it's grown, he burns up a bunch of it because he can't afford uh, to waste the fuel. So he's got cooking fuel for his fire and he's got heating fuel to keep himself warm. And then the last little part of it, he crafts it and then he bows down before it and he says, deliver me for you are my God. And the Lord righteously having given him over uh, to, to his folly so that he can't even realize uh, or ask himself the question. Why am I worshiping a block of wood? Uh, and man, of course, still today comes up with all sorts of things that are limited by our ability, that are limited by uh, our ideas and our imagination that cannot deliver us, that will perish with us. Because we have suppressed the truth and unrighteousness and neither glorified God nor given thanks, he gives us over to a... a dysfunctional mind that we can't even uh, ask ourselves properly why am I trusting in things that cannot deliver uh, and so he comes at the end of our portion in verse 21 he says remember these which is remember these things said Jacob uh, and he reminds us of the section in verse 44 when he says uh, for you are my servant, I formed you. You are my servant. You didn't form me, I formed you. Uh, but also the salvation that is under that language at the beginning of 44. And then back into 43, he's also telling them to remember. I have blotted out like a thick cloud your transgressions and like a cloud your sins. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Uh, and then concluding with that reminder of what the heavens and the earth, what all creation will sing when God's work is done. He who is the first and who is the last and shows that he is the only God by being the Redeemer. This, the new heavens and the new earth, uh, will, will recognize and respond to. Sing, O heavens, for Yahweh has done it. Shout, you lower parts of the earth, break forth into singing, you mountains, a forest and every tree in it. And what are they responding to? How has God shown himself to be the one true God who made the heavens and the earth? 
End of verse 23. For Yahweh has redeemed Jacob and glorified himself in Israel. This is how he shows himself to be God, by redeeming his people. So let us not look to ourselves or anything that we can do or any man can do or any created thing whatsoever to be our help. But may the Spirit give us uh, this heart that is described in verse 5 to see that it's the Lord who has given us life. It's the Lord who's given us spiritual life. uh, And we be those who really here in verse 5, in very romantic language, see the Lord's name upon ourselves and are, uh, as it were, infatuated with him. Uh, saying, I am Yahweh's, writing on ourselves, not literally, it's not encouraging tattoos here, sorry, writing with our hand, not on our hand, writing with our hand, Yahweh's, so, and that would not be inappropriate at all, you know, taking notes in worship, and the Lord reminds you again, and you just, I belong to Jesus, Uh, and uh, what a wonderful uh, ministry of the Spirit to to spread abroad, to pour out in our hearts the love of God, that we can see that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is how he demonstrated his love. And we see that here also. In Isaiah 43 and 44, the Lord grant to us that we would live with uh, that active awareness of that, that the Spirit gives to us. Let's pray. Our gracious God and our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are our Redeemer in your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by your Spirit, who convinces us and continues to bring home to our hearts that we are yours, that you are the one who formed us in the womb and called us your little darlings and gave us the faith to believe into Christ, that we might indeed be united to him and adopted by you in him. And so we pray that you'd help us to live today with that realization, with that awareness. Forgive us and help us, we pray, deliver us from uh, our idolatry and the stupidity and the folly of it, uh, and also how it spurns you and rejects you. Don't let us do that, we pray, O God. Now help us, we pray, as we go to our day. And strengthen our uh, hands and straighten the weak knees and give us peace with one another and the holiness that we will need in order to see you. Uh, For we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.